0: have your Bible if you go to 1 John chapter 4 tonight 1 John chapter 4 I'm gonna to try to preach from verse 11 down through the end of the passage if we can do that this evening 1 John chapter 4 sure I'm glad that brother Knopsinger got a good report we're, we want to keep him around for more than a semester we want to keep him around for a good long time now I hope Jane feels the same way but we're not gonna ask that question tonight so uh, brother Knopsinger Help me with this text as going through the book of at least the fourth chapter and fifth chapter of 1 John, he preached, I believe, on the propitiation of God, and uh, that's in verses number 9 and 10, and we're not going to go back and read that. But I want to I just call to mind that those T-I-O-N words are very important. I'll say more about that in a moment. Beginning in verse number 11, three times in, the, in this chapter the word beloved occurs. Verse 1, verse 7, verse 11, natural divisions of the chapter. And if you look in verse number 11, this is where we'll start. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also, Now, I would say to you, I I don't want to deal with the subject. It would take the entire message. But when he says in verse number 20, he that loveth, how can he that uh, loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And verse 12 says, no man has seen God at any time. Now, that's not a contradiction in Scripture. All right, the Bible's very clear that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Bible is also equally clear that Jesus Christ took on the form of man, that he became man, the incarnation. And you can look at Jesus, and the Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1, that he is the express image of the invisible God. So if you see Jesus Christ, you see the person of God, though no one has seen God the Spirit at any time. Maybe I could say it this way. You can see me, but you really can't see me. You can see the outside. You can see my body. You can see uh, and hear what I'm saying. But you really can't see what's on the inside. And I would say what's on the inside is just as real as what's on the outside. And just the fact that you can't see God doesn't mean he's not there. It just means that God is a spirit. So when the Bible makes a statement that no man has seen God at any time, you say, well, what about in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, I believe that's a word that we call theophany. That's where Jesus Christ shows up, I believe, pre-incarnate, the angel of the Lord, or or he could be the captain of the host, or a number of things. I'm glad I have a God that transcends time. Right. Right. I have a God that transcends all the laws that he put into place. And you say, well, Jesus hadn't been born yet. Oh, wait a minute now. Jesus has always been. There's never been a time that Jesus was not. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, that being said, with that out of the way, I want to turn our attention back to what I believe to be the heart of the whole chapter. The whole chapter, the word love occurs 27 times in this chapter alone, a form of the word love. It occurs 46 times in the whole book of 1 John, but 27 times in this one chapter. So God's really emphasizing something. So why don't you turn to somebody next to you and just say, I love you. will don't you try that? If you're sitting behind, by yourself, turn to somebody behind you in front of you. How about this? Why don't you turn to somebody and say, I just, I love Jesus. Can you do that? Yeah, I think that's in the text. Yeah. A whole lot more of that going on than it was I love you. How about that? That's what I'm preaching on tonight. Right? How about this? How about turn to somebody and say, I'm glad Jesus loves me. You do that? Now, look, I know, I know that Independent Baptist, sometimes we have the idea that if you preach about the love of God or if you preach about love, that you're doing something that is a compromise to the text and you're doing something that is a compromise to our position. I'm going to tell you now, listen, I know that our God, our God is a holy God. Our God is a just God. Our God is a righteous God. But the Bible also says twice in this one chapter in verse number 8, God is love. And you cannot deny what's written in the Bible. All right. Now, that does not mean that God is acceptant or tolerant of everything in the world. The idea that God is love so I can live however I want to live is contrary to Scripture because he is a righteous God and he is a just God. So I'm saying that to say this, the love of God is in the passage. So if we look at that for just a moment, verse number 11, Behold, or beloved, if God so loved us. Well, how did he love us? Verse 9 and 10 would say sacrificially. Look at verse number nine. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son in the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. That propitiation for our sin. God loved us sacrificially. He paid the price and the penalty for our sin. That's propitiation. He also was our substitution. Jesus Christ became sin for us who knew no sin. I'm telling you right now, Barabbas is not the only one that got to go free and Jesus died in his place. If you're born again here tonight, Jesus died in your place as well. And not only is he our substitution, but he's also our reconciliation. He brought us back into fellowship with God. I was outside the fellowship of God. And just like Job said, I have no daysman that can take a hold of my hand and grab a hold of God's hand and bring us together. But Jesus Christ, taking on the form of man, was able to reach up to heaven and grab God, able to reach down here and grab man and put us back together. We're now reconciled. Amen. Amen. It was a sacrificial love. A mother knows what sacrificial love is. Sacrificial love. Giving of himself. Beloved, if God so loved us. I believe it was Vance Habner, he said, we ought to take that word so and think on it a long time because there's so much in it. Not only did he love us sacrificially, but he loved us selflessly. Look there in verse 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You know what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 when it speaks about love? The Bible says that sinners love people that love them. I'm paraphrasing. That a sinner will love somebody that loves them. In other words, it's reciprocal. If you love me, then I'll love you. It makes it easy to do that. The Bible goes on to say that God, God, he loves those, or he's kind to those that are, un, that are unmerciful and unthankful. And God loves people that don't return love back to him. That is a selfless love. Can, can I just ask you while I'm preaching, aren't you glad you had a God that loved you when you did not love him? Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'm not going to keep a pet very long that bites me every time I walk by. I'm not going to keep a pet very long. It's always an expense and always is taking and always is receiving. And all it does is take and, and, and gripe back or growl back. I'm not going to keep that. But you know, that's exactly who we were. We, we did not love God and yet he still chose to yeah. selflessly love us. Amen. He loved us and we didn't, didn't love him at all. And I say thank you for a selfless love. But then verse number 19 We love him because he first loved us. He loves sinners. It's a love for sinners. Aren't you glad you had a Savior that loves sinners? Now, if you're here tonight and you don't think that you needed a Savior that loves sinners, then you probably don't have salvation. Because the Bible says Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved people that were against him, were his enemy. The Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 5 that scarcely for a righteous man would one die. In other words, it's very rare that somebody would die for a righteous man. The President of the United States, you may not think him to be a righteous man. I have no idea what he believes about eternity, but I will say this. He has a group of men around him because of his importance that are willing to take a bullet for him. They're willing to stand in front of somebody trying to take his life. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die. And then it says that peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Just by chance, sometimes someone would die for a good man. Just by chance. But the Bible says that God committed his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, he knew what we were. And yet he went ahead and loved us anyway. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you tonight, God loved us when we were unlovely. God loved us when we were his enemy. God loved us when we didn't care about his Bible, didn't care about his church. We didn't care about righteousness. I'm telling you, God loved us when we were corrupt and filthy in our sin. What a savior to love somebody like that. Amen. Amen. That's the love of God. That is not what you find in Greek mythology. The Greek gods had no love like that toward their people. The Roman gods had no love like that toward their people. The Hindu gods have no love like that toward all those people that practice Hinduism. But I'm telling you, we're not Hindus and we're not Greeks and we're not Romans. We are born again and we have a God that is love. We have a God that loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. While we were sinners. I don't believe any of us deserve that. I don't believe there's anybody here that could lift your hand and say, boy, you know, I deserve that God would die for me. Nobody deserves that a king of kings, a spotless lamb, the innocent lamb of God would give his life for you and I. But I'm telling you, he did it because he loved us. The passage speaks about God's love. But now look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, and he did. We ought also to love one another. Do you understand what he's saying is the love of God is undisputable, undeniable, unfathomable. But if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. When you see that the first time in verse number seven, if you look at it, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. That, that is a choice. That's choosing to love. And the reason that we love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. How many of us in here tonight could say with an, with an amen, I've been born into the family of God. Amen. And you may be from New York, and you may be from Michigan, you may be from Pennsylvania, you may be from Columbia, you may be from the Ivory Coast, but if you've been born into the family of God, we're all part of the same family. That's why we call each other brother and sister. We've got a choice now that we can love one another, that we love each other. That's a choice that we make, but it's also a command. Look at verse 11 again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we, can you say the word? Ought to. That doesn't sound like a choice. That sounds more like a command. I don't just have a choice now to love because I'm in a new family, but now I've been given a command, and that command is in the Bible. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 11. Look what the Bible says. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You see that in your Bible? The Bible says that we should love one one another. Look at it again, verse number 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. In other words, you're supposed to love each other. If there's somebody that's a member of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you ought to love them. And I'll go beyond that. You didn't just shouldn't love them by choice since you're family members and part of the same church. You ought to love them because God told you to do so. You say, well, preacher, not everybody's lovely. Well, he didn't say if they're lovely, love them. He said to love one another. He didn't say love the people that are like you. By the way, aren't you glad that everybody in the church did not like you? I'm glad everybody in the church did not like you. I'm glad everybody's not like me. I mean, does anybody in this church ever get uh, aggravated with your own self? We got about three or four people being honest. Yeah, I, 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 don't need, I don't need 400 of me walking around here. No, no. I'm, I'm, listen, we ought to love one another in spite of our differences. In fact, look at the end of chapter 4. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. If a man say, I love God, I just want to testify tonight, I love Jesus. I love God. Okay, all right. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a what? What's that now? Whew, that's pretty strong. I just want to say tonight, I love Jesus. I can't stand that guy on the third row, but I love Jesus. God said, well, you're a liar. He's a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. If you love God... You're supposed to love your brother as well. Now, that could be your physical brother. That could be your spiritual brother. But the Bible's clear. That's a command. But, you know, I don't think that's a command that we really appreciate. My mother, I'm sure that there's probably people here like me as well. My, my mother, when my brother and I would get into it, I have one brother, Brent. He looks uh, older than I am. He's younger than I am. And... Um, <laughs> He's, he's definitely a better preacher than I am, and he definitely has a cleaner life than I have. But, but he's, he's, he's younger. He just looks older. But he and I, we would fight. I would never let anybody bother my brother. Um, if anybody bothered Brent, I made certain that uh, they knew that we and me and whoever else might come, we'd step in. We'd take care of them. And he was like the same thing. I, I remember one time at, at Christian camp. Well, it's terrible me to say this. At Christian camp, I got into a fight with a the guy there at the camp. And uh, we all got in a circle and me and this boy in the middle of the circle and we're getting ready to fight and, and and my little brother, I see a blur go flying by, and this guy I'm supposed to fight, man, he's somebody just I mean I mean tagged him in the side of the head, knocked him down, and I looked, and there goes my little brother running across that way. <laughs> and then he turned around and he said, Let's get him! <laughs> I said, okay. But my brother and I we'd fight. We'd fight. Mom would cry. And finally, she'd make us cry. And then she'd say, you tell your brother you're sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Now, you tell him you love him. (laughs) I love you. Tell him you love him. I love you. Now, hug his neck. Come on, Mom. I mean, come on, (laughs) hug his neck. And my, my mother would make my brother and I hook. You know what? And that's a command. And you know, when you live underneath that, that makes it still very difficult in a church to really have the love of God in the church the way we should. If it's only by commandment, if it's duty, that's what we ought sounds like. It's a duty. It's a responsibility. I love you because I have to. I love you because Father said that I must do it. I think there's a third love in here that you and I, that God is trying to work in our hearts, and that's in verse number 12, and that's really my message tonight. The Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. I think that God says you can love by choice, let us love one another, or he says you ought to love, we ought to love, that's that's by command. But then there is a perfected love, a love that he wants to create in us. There's a love that God had toward us as sinners that was sacrificial and was selfless and he wants to create that same love down on the inside of us I do not think that it is a book that you can go out and buy and find that kind of love I think it is a work that God has to do down inside of our heart if I'm really going to love people in the church if I'm really going to love the the folks that I attend services with and work alongside God has to create a love down in there now look what the Bible says Verse number 13, the Bible says this. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. So we dwell in him. Now look now, and he in us. I am part of the body of Christ. Right, look, Listen, I am not working to be accepted by God. I have been made accepted in the beloved by Jesus Christ. So I'm already part of the body of Christ. I am not working to that end trying to find a way to become accepted into that body. Right, but not only am I in the body, not only do I dwell there, but Jesus Christ dwells in me and dwells in you. In Genesis, in Genesis, listen, in Genesis, you find God walking with men. God walked with uh, Enoch and God walked with Noah and God walked with Abraham. God walked with men. And then in Exodus, in Exodus, God then began to dwell with men and that tabernacle was built. And God would come and he would sit down over top of that mercy seat and he said, I'm going to dwell with you right there. That's where I'm going to be but oh my, you get to the New Testament and Jesus Christ goes to the cross of Calvary and he dies for your sin and my sin and he goes into that tomb and three days later he gets out and now God doesn't just walk with men and God doesn't just dwell with men. Now God dwells on the inside of us. Amen. Now I have a I have the presence of Jesus inside me, the person of God inside me. Hey, listen, and wonder of wonders, why in the world God would want to move into such a horrible, horrible place, a broken down, sin-cursed, messed up place? And here's what he did. He moved in and says, I've got some design for you. I'm going to take all that filth and I'm going to change it to righteousness. I'm going to take all that darkness and change it to light. I'm going to take all that filthiness and change it to something that's good and holy. Holy, there's a God that moved in on the inside. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate that we can come to this place and worship. I appreciate the building we have. I appreciate the blessing of all the times that have been here where God manifested presence and when, and when messages were preached and people just got beside themselves. But I'm telling you, we've got something greater than this building right here on 3931 White Horse Road. We've got a God that now dwells on the inside of us, and He's always making adjustments. He's always working on your heart. He's always trying to take and and cause you to be bent the right direction. I say that because in verse number 13 again, the Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. How can he create the love in my heart that I need by his spirit? Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is, can you say the first three with me? Love, joy, and peace. I believe with all my heart the Holy Ghost wants the church to dwell in unity. I believe the Holy Ghost wants God's children to be filled with love and joy and peace. I don't think that's something you get by sitting in some yoga position and trying to take and work it up in your heart and mind. I don't think you get that by going and getting the newest book that's down at the Christian bookstore. I don't believe, but I tell you what I do believe. I believe when you got saved, God moved on the inside and the Holy Ghost said, I'd like to create some love down in here is what I'd like to do. I'd like to create some joy down in here is what I'd like to do. I'd like to put some peace down in here. So God gave us his spirit to work in our heart the love that needs to be here. Now, you know what I need to do? Listen to me. I need to yield to the Spirit's sir. I don't need to stand and say, no, God, I'm not going to let you work that way in my heart and life. You know, many times when you preach about loving the brethren, God brings somebody to mind. Somebody maybe you hadn't put your hand in in a long time. Somebody that maybe you haven't been kind to or maybe you don't even know. And if God does that, you know what you ought to do? You ought to, take, you ought to take care of that. If there is aught between two people in this auditorium tonight, you know what you ought to do? You ought to get that right tonight. You say, dear in service, absolutely dear in service. Why not just do it right now? Why not get up out of your seat if the Holy Spirit's prompted you because he's trying to build the fruit of love in your life. He's trying to create in you the same kind of love Jesus had, a selfless love, a sacrificial love, a love for somebody that's in a mess. You know what I believe? I believe God. if you got up tonight and obeyed God's prompting to make things right with somebody else, I believe it might just start a little revival in here. Amen. Right. That only comes by the Spirit's working. And then look with me, if you would, the next verse. The Bible says this in verse number 14, excuse me, verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. A confession. Not only do I have the Spirit of God in me, but I have a confession. And I'd like to confess tonight, I believe this, I believe this church believes this. I don't believe that there is any other Savior than the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. There is only one Savior and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. I am not following a religious creed. I'm not following the Westminster creed or anything else. I'm telling you right now, the only Savior is not the Baptist church and not the Baptist church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. and and by confessing that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Christ, then that puts you in the family of God if by repentance you turn from your sin and you put your faith in him. You cannot love with God's love if you've not been born again. And then if you look with me in verse number 16, the Bible says this, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The Bible is very clear. We have known and believed the love that God hath us. I really believe that Satan has two major things he uses to hurt God's people. One is doubt. The other is fear. Fear is dealt with down in verse number 18. I probably won't have time to deal with that, but doubt. 1 John chapter 5, boy, you know the verse. It's sitting right across the page. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm telling you, I've had good people sit in my office, good people call me and say, Pastor, I am doubting, I, I, I have trouble in trying to get freedom and peace about this issue of my salvation. And I listen to that. And listen, if somebody comes to me saying, Pastor, I have such problems with doubt, I don't try to lead them to Christ. You say, why not? Because the Bible says Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're not lost, you're not in the saving business. You've got to be lost. I've got to be lost on my way to hell. If you're lost on your way to hell, Jesus will save you. But if you're born again and the devil's reminding you about things you've done in your past, which is also in chapter 3, if our heart, verse number 20, condemn us, God is greater than our heart. But the devil will tell you you couldn't be going to heaven because of what you did in your past. Hey, I'm not going to heaven because of what I'm doing in my future. I'm going to heaven because I've put my faith in God. Amen. It's not about what I've done. It's about what he finished. That's right. Amen. right. Bless you. Boy, the devil tell you, hey, but yeah, but you failed here. You're right, I failed there. And and I've got this problem. And boy, my goodness, how many of us tonight don't have a whole chock full of problems in our life that we need God's help in getting right? But I'm telling you what, one of them, I put my faith in Jesus. I know where I'm going. Well, the devil, he just calls you to doubt. The Bible says we know, we have known and believed the love that God had toward us. Boy, I'm telling you right now, Romans chapter 8, God told us he loved us, didn't he? You know, Romans chapter 8, he said that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Come on, how many of you mothers would love your children no matter what they did in this world? They'd always be your child. You'd always love them. Would you raise your hand? You're going to love your children. Well, we're God's children. And he told us there is nothing. That can separate you from the love of God. Not height, not depth. It doesn't matter what it is. He said, I told you that I loved, but he also showed us that he loved us. Look at it again right there in verse number nine. In this was manifest the love of God. What? That he sent his son. That he was a propitiation for our sins. The Bible says in verse 16 of chapter 3, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. When the devil starts telling you that God doesn't love you, all you've got to do is look at Calvary. I'm telling you, God showed you that he loved you. He told you he loved you. And he showed you he loved you. And that's why the Bible says in verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. It's his nature to love. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So the love that's present in my heart. How many of you could say when you got saved that you started loving things you never loved before? How many of you started loving Jesus when you got saved? Started loving the church when you got saved? Started loving sinners when you got saved? Started loving missions when you got saved? I'm telling you what, God moved in and all of a sudden you started loving things you'd never even thought about before. That's an evidence. That's an evidence that God is trying to create a love in your heart. Last thing I want to point out to you is in verse 17. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Now, remember I said, verse 12, his love is perfected in us. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Look at it again at the end of verse 18. He that feareth not is not made perfect in love. God's trying to create something in you. Verse 17, here's our love made perfect that we might have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's a likeness that's there. God says as he is. He writes this, the, God uses the hand of John and he writes as he is. Who who? Jesus, as he is. Where is he? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So are we in this world. That I show the likeness of the Savior that loved me. You know, Jesus, the Bible says about him that he, he wanted to please his Father. You know what? If we love God, you know what we all do? We all want to please God. We ought to want to please him. The Bible goes on to say those first two commandments. The first one is that we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. I believe Jesus loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is likened to it that a man love his neighbor as himself. I'm telling you, Jesus had a love for God, and he had a love for people, and as he is, so are we in this world. When we get to loving God, it will be known of us. I mean, come on, tonight, I'm sure somebody thought all those people shouting up there, y'all just trying to get everything stirred up, and y'all like a show, and this is just a program. Oh, it's not a program. We're just just still overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus Christ died for us and loved us. Amen. It's not somebody trying to prop something up or work something up. There's something already down on the inside that gets stirred up anyway, because we've been put into the family of God. Right. Right. It's not a show. It's something on the inside. And God is trying to create that love in there. We could turn to two other passages, but for sake of time, Ephesians chapter 3 speaks about how that Paul prayed that God's people would be rooted and grounded in love and that they might know the love of God and that they might comprehend the love of God. That was his prayer for what I think to be the greatest church in the New Testament. He's saying, I'm asking God to take and do a work in your heart that you might understand, comprehend his love, and that you might be rooted down in that love, and that love might be real in your life. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And you know what I think tonight? I think that, yes, we ought to choose to love one another and that we've been commanded to love one another. But I'm telling you that I believe there's a whole different level to that. I think God wants to create in you the same kind of love that God had. And he wants that to be in your heart. So can I ask you a question? If you look in your heart tonight, how many of you think you have a love like God in your heart? How sacrificial is your love? How selfless is your love? Does your love reach out to people that are not like you? that you get nothing from in return. He says, I, I want to create that down in you. I look at my heart, oh, my goodness. I'm so deficient. I feel like sometimes God is doing just what my mother did, said, now, you, you tell them you love them. You hug their neck. You tell them you're sorry. And that's really not what he's trying to get at here. He's trying to get at perfecting love in us. If we had to listen, some people think that uh, the only place you can go to church and find love is a charismatic church. I don't believe that'd be true at all. I believe you've ought to be able to find the love of God in a Bible-believing church. Yeah. But it can't just be because we've been commanded to love each other. It's got to be something deeper than that. There's a great song. It's called "Deeper and Deeper" by Oswald J. Smith. Oswald Smith was a man who had a heart for missions. And the song says, Into the heart of Jesus deeper and deeper I go, seeking to know the reason why he should love me so, why he should stoop to lift me up from the miry clay, saving my soul, making me whole, though I had wandered away. And every verse begins to say, into the will of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Into the cross of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Into the joy of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. The last verse ends this way. Into the love of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Praising the one who brought me out of my sin and woe and through eternal ages, gratefully I shall sing, oh how he loved Oh, how he loved Jesus, my Lord and King. My mother, my mother loved me and my brother with a love I think would be very hard for me to explain, especially when I went out into the world. The older I've gotten, the more I appreciate that love because she loved me when I was filthy and she loved me selflessly. She loved me sacrificially. I see that kind of love and I know that probably in my own heart I need to duplicate that but you know what my mother's love in comparison with Jesus Christ they're not even close because my mother didn't know things about me that he does know about me and I know I need to get deeper into the love of God I need to get deeper into the love of Jesus and I'm telling you not I think we all listen I don't think there's a person here that wouldn't be able to stand with me and say you know what Not only do I need to love more, I need to be more like Jesus. I need that love in me, created in me. It would help. Hey, are you listening? It would help you with your children, with your marriage. It would help you when you witness to lost people. Did you hear what Brother William said? In between Duke and North Carolina, there's got to be a compassion there. If they don't know that you love them, they're not going to listen to you at all. Those kids are going to turn you off. They're not going to care what you have to say. I read a story, and I'll finish. If you stand to your feet, and Brother Ken, if you'll come to Oregon. I read a story about a man who was trying to deal with witches in Salem. And he went up to a witch, and when he did, he tried to give her a track, and she said, I don't want that, and I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want what you have to offer and he said, ma'am, is there something that we could do for you? And she said, yeah, you could pay my phone bill. And he reached in his pocket, and he took care of her phone bill right there. And she started crying. And she said, you know, if you do that for me, maybe I do need to hear what you got to say about Jesus. And he led that witch to Jesus Christ. you know why? Because the love in his heart was a reflection of his love. And I'm not there, but I need to get there. I need more of that deeper into the heart of Jesus. Deeper and deeper I go. So the altar's open tonight. Maybe you ought to get on the altar and say, God, would you help me with that? Brother Ken, you can go ahead and play Sister Judy. That's the invitation. That's the message tonight. God, I, I need more of your love in my heart. I need you to create that, not just a choice or a command. I think probably the greatest missionaries had more of the love of God in their heart not just a better method. Probably the greater preachers like D.L. Moody, I've read his messages, not that impressive, but yet he had a love down in him that moved sinners' hearts. Lord, I need your love. I need more of it. I need it to get down in me. I need you to create in me through your spirit, through your likeness, as he is. So are we in this world. Help me, Lord. Brother Hobart, why don't you sing a verse of that while we have all these folks praying tonight. Would you do that?
1: The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His errant child he reconciled and pardoned from his Strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and and every man a scribe by trade, to to write the law.
0: turn to somebody now and tell them, hey, I love you. Can you do that? Hey, I just want you to know I love you. I love you. I believe that delights the Lord. He wouldn't write about it if it didn't. Amen. Oh, how blessed we are that somebody so high and holy would love us and care for us. Brother Williams, if you guys, if some of y'all want to slip over to your table, whoever that is, I think they've got some CDs over there if you'd like to buy some of those. And then uh, Brother Fleur is here. I believe I saw his wife and uh, she's there. If you want to make sure you get by and see him, Brother Lucas as well, if you'd like to say hello to him and and, uh, encourage him for loving Ward so long. And and, uh, I know that they probably would appreciate that. All right. Well, We'll be dismissed. Be back Wednesday night now. And uh, Tuesday, Brother Holbert, Brother Stevens, you got, is it thur- Thursday for you, Tuesday for Mrs. Betty Ray, and Thursday for you. And then um, Mrs. Dot Marcus had to be taken to the ER tonight, and uh, she's just having extreme pain. They don't really know how to explain that, so if you just keep them in prayer. All right. Been a good day. Amen. Amen. It has. It's been a good day. It's been a good day. God bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night.